You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to M Squared TechCast, a live internet radio show offering the latest news and interviews with the people driving business, technology, and politics in Michigan. Now, your hosts, Matt Rausch and Mike Brennan. Hey, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And we're back with another edition of the M Squared TechCast on a Monday afternoon. Um, it is 60 degrees and sunny and beautiful out the window here in Dearborn. Uh, our first guest, Gary Baker, though, is uh, pursuing a, a lifelong dream of uh, a, a new business that he says he calls a halftime job, but it's a full-time passion. So uh, Gary operated the first um, non-government internet service provider in Michigan way back when, and uh, was always uh, right into the Michigan tech scene as far as you could go. So Gary, tell us what, you, what you're up to now. Oh, thanks, Matt. Good, good to talk to you. Hey, Mike, good to see you. you too, uh, although Gary. we see Mike every uh, every week on our Internet Advisor show, we're still doing our Internet Advisor show, a radio show on WJR 760 AM in Detroit, one of the 12 uh, original superstations in the country. So we have a big uh, broadcast footprint. But of course, everything is on the Internet now as, as well. Uh, we're in our 23rd year, and Mike uh, joins us uh, every week to give us a little bit of an idea of what the technology news is around the, the great state of, of Michigan. And the new wrinkle, too, is uh, just started a few weeks ago. Uh, you're actually doing Zoom so people can see the other host. They they see me regularly, but they'll be able to see you and Cal and, and Ed. And, and, uh, and of course, uh, you probably picked up on the voice we had coming in. We still use Foster's intro. Uh, right. We ha- haven't had the heart to change it because uh, it, it's so good. But, uh, of course, Foster is the one who started the Internet Advisor with you. 25 years ago? 23 years. Now. 23 yep. years ago. Okay. Yeah, it'll be 23 years in February. All right. Uh, yeah, we've been uh, doing the show for a long time. Uh, I gave up my, my actually day job, uh, finally, uh, back the first of the year. And uh, within less than two weeks, I had two halftime jobs. So I need to, uh, I, I am the CIO for IPC, which is an international trade association serving the electronics manufacturing industry. Hmm. And then I also am the CTO, Chief Technology Officer, for a little FinTech called Fin Results. Uh, and uh, the, the good thing is I can do both of those remote from the boat, along with the radio show. So Everybody thinks I, I must be in the studio in WJR. I'm not. I'm remote from the boat, as I am today here. Remote from the boat. I like that. Now, Matt wants to go remote from Traverse City as soon as possible when he retires. Right, Matt? That's the plan, yeah. And yep. So mine would be a pontoon boat on some little lake someplace. <laughs> Yeah, tell a little bit about Shared Adventure. I have actually, actually, I've been on the previous Shared Adventure. I haven't been on your new one. New one's even bigger, right? Yeah, we're at Shared Adventure 2. Uh, we're in the same place in Fort Lauderdale, Bahia Mar uh, Marina, which is right here on the Strip. So I can actually look out on the ocean right from here, as a matter of fact, since I'm sitting in the stern cockpit of the boat. Uh, it's a 51-foot power catamaran. It's got four mm. cabins, each with their own head and shower. I've got a crew quarters with uh, two bunks and another head and shower. Of course, those are not palatial <laughs> spaces, but uh, nice big uh, stern cockpit. We can sit uh, 12 people around. Uh, there's a bow cockpit. Two little tables up there sit about six people upstairs on the flybridge, uh, which is where the helm is, where we drive. Uh, we have another big table set, uh, 10 to 12 people up there, grill, uh, all sorts of things. Got a dinghy, a, a wave runner, uh, two kayaks, two stand-up paddle boards. Uh, scuba gear. Scuba gear. Yeah. 
Uh, even yoga mats, if you want to do yoga on the bow of the boat. Maybe. Ah, that sounds great. I know I talked to you about uh, doing that, that would a trip be the, to the diving bay. dog position, right? So Yeah, okay. right. Diving <laughs> dog, yes. I talked to you about taking a trip to the Bahamas sometime with some guests, and you even go as far as that, right? That's right. Yeah, actually, from here, the Bahamas are only 48 miles. Uh, in a little over a week, uh, we're going to be uh, heading down to Key West for three weeks. Oh. Uh, and uh, that's about 150 miles from here. Not not too far still, but a uh, nice little, we'll do some island hopping along the way, going all the way down back. We've got, and we take charters, right? So my, uh, my goal is, you know, everywhere I go, I want to share the adventure. Uh, the whole idea, the whole concept that we have around uh, shared adventure is we believe everyone should have a friend with a boat. Ah, we want to be that friend. I right? like that. I like that. Is it on your business card? Yeah, that's, that's my favorite yeah. kind of boat. Is the friends boat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're not a friend when you get on, you'll be a friend when you get off. Ah, and, I see it. Uh, and that and that's the goal. And we just have a lot of fun, you know, heading out, going different places. Uh, because I can work remote from the boat. Doesn't matter if the boat's here in Fort Lauderdale or in Key West or over in Bimini. Um, only 48 miles as soon as they open up the Bahamas, which it looks like they're going to be doing more and more now. Um, we'll be able to get back to going to the Bahamas. Beautiful water down there. Yeah. And you're only you know, with a small group of people. So it's not like going on a big cruise ship and, um, and you know, potentially being exposed to a lot of, uh, of different people. Uh, here we let you help drive, communicate, navigate. We tell everybody. You know, they really need to have a, a job when they come on board. So we've got a few people that looked at the beanbag chairs out on the bow of the boat. And they say, um, is anybody holding those down so they don't fly away? And I said, no, not yet. And he goes, that's my job. I'll take that one. Yeah, so, well, you know, being, whatever it takes. being a scuba diver, I've always wanted to dive the Bimini Road because it's not really, I'm not, I don't like the 90 foot dives. It's not for me, but 30 or 40 feet I can handle. So I, I'd like to try that sometime. There's a beautiful dive, a, a shipwreck. It's about 20 feet of water. Actually, it sticks up above water and then goes down to about 20 feet to the floor. Um, and uh, oh, it's just, it's a great, great dive out in Bimini, uh, Kasapoa. And uh, take a lot of people out there and everybody has fun with it. And lots of conch shells around and a uh, great big, huge propeller lying uh, now horizontal on the, on the uh, floor of the ocean. I know that when you're uh, in the port, you can use Wi-Fi, but when you go out over the water and you're away from Wi-Fi, do you use satellite or what do you use? Yeah, so right now there's about oh, a 25-mile stretch uh, going across the Gulf Stream uh, where we can't get uh, internet, um, just to pick up the internet signal with the enhanced antennas uh, from the mainland, and it's about 25 miles before we can pick it up in the Bahamas. Uh, right now, but I've been looking in the satellite. Uh, but um, so far, we haven't needed just hop island hopping down to uh, the Florida Keys. You know, you're never out of uh, cell cell range. Oh, and and you, I've been to Key West a half a dozen times. It's uh, if I could afford it, I'd be. That was where I would winter. I love that place down there. That's never good. had a bad time in Key West. I'll tell you no, that. So I don't think there is one. No, I don't think you go out of your way to have a bad time in Key West. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so, there is one piece of equipment I haven't heard you mention, so I was just curious. Do you have a telescope on board? A telescope? No, we have binoculars. Well, okay. But no telescope. Because I, 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 would, imagine, I would imagine when you get out away from land and it's night, the, the stars must be phenomenal. So. You know what? I'm writing that one down. You know, you can't have enough toys here, I'm sure. Well, a nice telescope though is going to set you back a couple of the G's if you want to do it really right, you know. So Celestron or something like that. But uh, so let's talk about that now. Obviously, uh, uh, I want to give you a chance to do your shameless plug here. So if if somebody's interested in reaching out to you, why don't you give us an idea, a ballpark figure of what it would cost to do various things with you on shared adventure? You know, we do everything from uh, two-hour uh, sunset cruises. Uh, and up to, uh, you know, eight, nine days in the Bahamas or in the Keys. Like I said, we're going for three weeks uh, here. Uh, we're leaving the weekend of the 17th, 18th. Uh, and we'll I'm be down there until the 7th of November. Uh, so it just, 
it really depends. Um, we are about two thirds the cost of a comparable boat or other boats uh, that you could take and charter. Uh, and the reason we do that is we don't, um, we're not looking for that, you know, high end uh, customer that would come on and charter and, you know, needs a little garnish on, on their, uh, their food. And um, we want to, we want to operate just as if you had a friend on the boat, we invite a group of friends and we're taking off and going and having some fun. And uh, so we don't feel the need to, to charge you know, the, at the rate that most of the other boats uh, here in Fort Lauderdale and Miami are charging. Um, well, and you mentioned we want to make it affordable enough people can come back, and we get a lot of return visitors. Yeah, you mentioned to me that if, if uh, a single person or a couple just wanted to rent one of the cabins, you could do that, right? That's right. Yeah, it uh, it depends. Now we're not we're doing less of that right now because of COVID. Um, you know, just trying to make sure that uh, people stay safe. So if a group or family, we've taken families out. That's that's fun because the kids just love it. We just you know have all the toys and throw out the big swim mat. Now we've only had uh, fifteen people on the swim mat, so that's uh, if you go to our website sharedadventure.com, you can see see the logo yes. <laughs> right, wherever it is. There it is. Yeah. Um, yep. It's sharedadventure.com, and uh, it uh, you can see like uh, photos of fifteen people on the big swim mat, but um, you know, people just love to, to go hang out, take a libation, jump into the water, hang out on the swim mat, uh, as well as other things, you know, take a, a little spin around on the, the wave runner. It's a three person wave runner and, uh, they can actually get on the boogie board and get pulled like a skier behind that. Yeah. Lots oh, of things yeah. to do. And the kids love it now. And we also have uh, a lot of older kids too. They're still kids at heart. They love it yes, too. Absolutely. Even Matt and I, old guys like us, are still kids at heart. So, uh, so the uh, website address, if people want to find, I know I see you on Facebook, but I'm sure you have a website as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Facebook, uh, Instagram, and then it automatically loads up to our uh, our website at sharedadventure.com. Okay. Um, so uh, I know you got your big uh, keys trip uh, coming up here. What else is on the horizon that people might be interested in? Uh, actually, um, you know, we've got a couple other charters coming up. We're still looking for um, Thanksgiving and, and holiday charters. Uh, so uh, they have not, uh, those, those dates are still available, but we really do a custom. So when people contact us, uh, they can uh, say, you know, we want to do this. We want to stop here. Want to see uh, the Miami skyline, which is beautiful at night. Want to see that at night. So we'll stop for Virginia Key on the way down or on the way back. Uh, a lot of people want to stop in Key Largo because, of, you know, there's half a dozen cool things to do on shore, of course. And then obviously all the dive sites. And we do, Isle Mirada is one of our favorite places with the hen and chickens. Spent, uh, Spent Christmas Eve out there two years ago, three almost now three years ago, you know, and uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, we everybody took off, you know, to go back in for Christmas Eve ceremonies and be with family and Christmas morning. And about uh, eleven o'clock, all the boats started heading back out. We were about a mile out in the uh, uh, in the Atlantic Ocean at that time. So just a, a gorgeous place. To be. All right, sounds wonderful, especially uh, that we're on the edge of winter up here. So I suppose we won't be seeing you up here anytime soon because it's getting colder, right? So the one uh, the one problem with sitting outside, like I am now in the back stern cockpit, is the boat across the the dock is on the way, uh, getting ready to go out. I don't know if you can hear that or not. Yeah, yeah. I hear some noise. Yeah. yeah. So. so they're uh, they're just throwing lines on on the boat and getting ready to take off so all right we got about a minute left so once again why don't you give if somebody wants to reach out to shared adventure and reach out to you uh you know maybe book something here because you mentioned you got some availabilities coming up where would they do that yep. and then uh obviously mike we want to uh tell people to go to internet uh advisor.net Yes. They can see you and I on all the previous uh, podcasts there. 
and then uh, um, you know keep track of what we're doing uh, as well as keep track of you here on on uh, your podcast as well. All right. Well, thanks very much for being with us, Gary. I hope you can weather that really nice weather down there. We're thinking of you. I mean, I'll be thinking of you when you're doing that three week cruise up the Keys or down the Keys, actually. So that would be yeah. wonderful. So yeah, well, thanks we, for being uh, with us. We'll enjoy the islands all the way down, all the way back. All right, all right Gary Baker, once again, GaryBakerSharedAdventure.com and InternetAdvisor.net. We'll be back in just a minute with another segment of the M Squared TechCast. For, for right now, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. You're watching MITechNews.tv. Lawrence Technological University graduates earn a degree and a higher starting salary. In fact, when it comes to earning potential, the Brookings Institution ranks LTU fifth among U.S. colleges and universities. Be enriched. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. What do you get at Lawrence Technological University? Everything. Great labs and studios, supportive professors, plus a full campus life, NAIA athletics, and all the software you need to succeed. Be smart. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. Hey, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And we're back with another segment of the M Squared TechCast. And we have as guests with us today, we have Chris Roebuck of ClickDebated and a recent investor in the company uh, that Lions fans will certainly recall, Mr. Herman Moore. Welcome to the show. Oh, are we mooted? Now, there we go. Not anymore. Thanks for having me. All right, there we go. Okay, yeah. You know how to use a video, right? Okay, good. Yeah, no, my first Zoom, I, it's, it's a weird experience for me. Ah, okay. All right. I was just kidding. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, what uh, Clickdivate it is. I had heard the name before, but until I got the press release and got a chance to read about it, I wasn't really sure what it was you guys did. So uh, let's start off with that, Chris, and you're the CEO. I understand the concept, but I want you to explain it to the audience. Sure. Yeah. So, so at Clickdivate, <laughs> we're all about blending the worlds between video and commerce. So we're finally giving viewers the unique ability to now directly click and shop any individual product inside video as they watch. So just imagine watching something online that a product cap, you know, really grabs your attention. You can now physically click on that product and all information gathers over to the right and then ultimately will lead you out to an individual page for more information or to uh, purchase directly through the video itself. All right. And I don't think Herman needs much of an introduction, but uh, we always assume Everybody, uh, since we do live on Facebook and we reach thousands of people there, they may or may not know our guests, but I'll let you uh, talk a little bit about your, your stupendous career with the Detroit Lions. No, I appreciate that. I just want to well, make sure first that you guys can hear me. Uh, you Just barely hear you. If you can boost your yeah. game. Yeah, Herman, we can hardly hear you, unfortunately. Uh, well, I was trying to try and see okay. if I could get that better for you there. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's better. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Nope, I appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, I had an opportunity to meet Chris and post-career has given me an opportunity to start to look at uh, other opportunities. There are a lot of people doing some special things here in the state of Michigan, but uh, throughout the country, you know, in this chaotic time, there's innovation everywhere. And having the opportunity to work with Chris and his team and being a part of understanding what they were doing with Clickdivated, uh, I've been in the technology space and uh, looking at platforms for, gosh, since 2008, when I started with predictive analytics and a lot of sports platforms, uh, having the opportunity now to work with such a, a young and uh, growing company in a place, uh, the e-commerce part of the world, but also just the shoppable videos, uh, I thought was really, really cool because we know that's where a lot of things are, are turning. And uh, so now post my, my NFL career, I, I look for really nice opportunities like this where I can make an impact. So you've not only uh, been impressed by the technology, you were, um, to use a, a catchphrase of the former owner of the New England Patriots, you were so impressed you bought part of the company anyway. So so what prompted you to make this investment? 
Uh, well, as one first having the opportunity to speak with Chris, a uh, very bright, very brilliant young man, and just talking to him about all the steps. And first thing I looked at the, was to look at his business acumen and the fact that he'd gone through some ways in which not only to you know, develop his technology, but a lot of things that get lost sometimes is how do you protect that technology and also how do you create a barrier of entry for your competitors? And just knowing that he was ahead the curve there, I knew that this was a person who was very serious about the technology, very serious about what they had done. And also that he has he put his own time and his, his team's time, money and effort into it as well. So you want to see that there there's some skin in it, as we always like to say in the game. And then also I looked at how if I came aboard, I could make an impact uh, with this company, not just as an investor, but how can I also take the contacts as well as the industries in which I've impacted or I have connections with? Uh, to be able to give it another uh, a solid way in which uh, to, to start to grow and go. And so that made it a, a good investment for me uh, because I knew I didn't have to be passive with it. So you've put your money in and uh, what are you going to, obviously you'll get uh, equity, but I mean, what's the money going to be used for whoever wants to field that one, Chris? Yeah, no, sure. I, I'm happy to field that. So, you know, just to kind of continue what Herman was saying, we were, Herman and I have formed a great relationship over the last year or so. Um, we're super excited to have him on board. I think there's a lot of natural synergies in terms of our company and what he brings to the table from both a background standpoint and a, uh, a network standpoint. And we've, we've had a good time working together and we've got a lot of really good stuff coming up that is, uh, will be coming out here in the market not in the not too distant future that we're all excited about. Now, in regards to the investment in terms of where that's going without getting in any real key specifics, um, what it's helping us do is it's really helping us advance our technology in a couple places that have never happened before within this market. The one area that I will uh, mention is we are just rolling out our V1 live streaming choppable video technology. And we've become the first technology company on the planet that now enables the direct ability to click individual products inside of a live stream. So now part of this investment is going towards how do we continue to build out the back end for that and how do we continue to scale out the abilities and the, uh, the amount of platforms that we can help impact. Now, let me ask you, is it uh, just the live stream where your technology works or does it work for VOD? Um, I mean, our focus from the beginning really has been on the VOD side. So we're able to come in, we're able to take content and video that's already been produced put our technology within that video, make it interactive or shoppable on the recorded side. Um, that will continue to remain a big focus, but with the world changing, lots of different formats are starting to become more and more vital and live streaming is absolutely one of them because when it comes to the, the brand and retail side of the universe, um, brands are looking for ways to communicate more effectively with their audience. Now and live streaming is really that format that a lot of brands are using both for inclusive experiences and exclusive experiences. I don't want to sell to sell promoting, but I'm, I have some people working on developing my own uh, video platform. It's going to be more news oriented, but certainly uh, uh, is, is, can you work with other platforms, even ones that are, uh, you know, proprietary, like the one we're building? Yeah. I mean, our, our technology is always created with kind of scale and integration in mind. Um, so yeah, we can absolutely work with any platform that allows us to integrate in. So we've been fortunate to have already integrated with a lot of really major platforms already today. And so, so go ahead, Matt. Oh, I, I was just curious. I, I, I'm a little bit curious as to who the customer is for this. Is it the brand? Is it advertising agencies? Is it producers, production companies? you know, television producers? Is it the Netflixes of the world? You know, who would ultimately make the decision to include this technology in a, in a live stream or a VOD? Yeah, so right now, I mean, our, our focus is, is on the brands, the retailers, and then uh, digital publishers are our three main um, verticals right now. So I mean, we've been fortunate enough to work with major retailers such as Target and Macy's and Kohl's and big brands like Tommy Hilfiger, Under Armour, et cetera. So we're, we're very fortunate in that regard and where we see a really large opportunity, again, continuing to evolve in front of our eyes is with the digital publishers. Uh, we've done work with, with the Yahoo's of the world, some of the other Verizon properties, Condé Nast properties, the Time properties. And what that does is now gives them another tool to go out and create a more 
powerful and valuable tool for their brands and their advertisers. So when they're producing these custom, these, this custom content, custom content, I should say, now we're able to come in, activate those videos and their brands are now able to get that direct shop ability interactivity with the client or with the, uh, the consumer. And that's really what it's all about is how do we make it extremely simple for a consumer to see a product in a video and be able to access that information to buy it directly on the spot. And as we're all living through right now, that speed and, and simplicity to go from point A to B, which is seeing something and then ultimately buying it is really the new name of the game when it comes to e And then combining video in with it as well with the, uh, the explosion of, of screen time that's going on in consumers' lives. It's just, it seems simple, but it's really happening in front of us. And it's the next six to 18 months are going to be fascinating in terms of how this continues to take off. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound... Bad, but I mean, the pandemic has actually been wonderful for streaming video and on-demand video, VOD. Uh, so that's the one good side of the pandemic. And certainly it's, uh, I mean, the Zoom, look at Zoom. I mean, they're worth $4 million, four, the owner is worth $4 billion more than it was before the pandemic. So that's really, I think it was slowly coming on before, but I think this really propelled it into the future. And and, uh, and the other thing that's happening I'm seeing is so many companies that didn't really want to let their people work remotely now are seeing that, well, I guess we can really pull this off. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? In, in terms of just live streaming as a whole? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, the consumption habits have changed, formats have changed. I mean, just it's not really about changing. It's more about how they've evolved in terms of how they're used. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing a massive explosion in terms of, um, live streaming formats and just video as a whole. And the way we talk about it was, you know, video was already massive coming into this, but it's really accelerated the points that it's never been from a, a digital standpoint. Ecom was the same thing. E-commerce was already gigantic coming into this, but now consumers are hesitant to go to the stores. The store experience <laughs> is not the same, you know, and major brands and retailers are pushing as many of their consumers e-com and online so they can still facilitate those transactions and still sell their products and goods. But then the middle part is the thing that's missing is that in-store experience or really that, that digital experience. And now these brands, retailers and everybody's turning to video because video tells a better story. It's more inspirational and you can see all these different things live and in, in action. And we're, we're just coming in. We're helping solve that, that growing challenge, which is connecting you, the consumer to those products and helping brands effectively sell um, and monetize more products. And uh, Herman, you have the golden Rolodex. So how do you see this playing in with a lot of the companies and and, uh, the the network that you have already uh, uh, developed? Well, first and foremost, I look at it in a couple of ways. There's there's several industries and verticals that my company internally already uh, participates in. So when I got involved, we clicked the rated. I looked at which ways uh, would I first utilize it because then that gives me an opportunity not only to become intimate with the product and understanding it, but also uh, giving it other areas in which we can do task markets or figure out how it could be utilized. And that way it gives us statistics and gives us data that we can then turn and say, these are case studies in which this has been utilized and it's been used in a very effective way. Um, I, I have a staffing firm. There's ways in which I can see how that could be utilized from an education and a teaching tool uh, as part of it, not just so much in e-commerce. Uh, we do a lot with educational uh, systems and education systems and developing pr- platforms for that. So there's this remote and distant and blended learning that I think this has an application for. And we also build a lot of SaaS programs and platforms. Uh, by doing that, it allows us as a company to be able to use um, and blend some of these technologies and, and basically uh, combine some of these technologies, as, just as you mentioned earlier, Mike, to, uh, that may be utilized with another platform. Uh, so that, that's the other thing. It's a very flexible uh, application and a very flexible technology. Uh, but also when you use any new technology, it's all about monetization. It's all about what is the, the upside for the end user, whether it be a company or a customer. And then also, what are each party's gaining that's going to make things even more efficient, more profitable, or less costly, or, or you streamlining something? So we're, we're solving solutions. Uh, we're, we're taking video from being a very passive uh, thing to where it's more engaging. Uh, but then it also allows us, just like with any new technology, I think there's a lot of things that's going to evolve out of 
of this once it's in the hands of consumers, it's in the hands of businesses, uh, ad agencies or, or marketing companies, branding companies. Uh, we do have a lot of different um, uh, places in which we think it has great application. Uh, so we will be experimenting uh, to a certain degree, but at the same time rolling out in a very strong way uh, areas where we know it has uh, great uh, opportunities. All right. Uh, wonderful. Well, we're out of time in this segment. So, Chris or Herman, why don't you uh, give the website address or how folks can get further information about what you guys are doing? And by the way, you guys are based in the Detroit area, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Are you right in Detroit or are you uh, outside of Detroit? Oh, well, we do have an office downtown, but we've been working remote for oh yeah, of course, quite some time at this point. So, right, you know. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, so, cool. So how do people reach out to you? Yeah. So if, if anybody would like to learn more, feel free to visit our website. We're just clicktivated.com. Um, and if you, if you want to reach out and explore opportunities um, from a sales standpoint or from an investment standpoint, feel free to reach out to me direct, Chris at clicktivated.com and happy to, uh, to connect. All right. Sounds great. And, Take and us and out, Matt. Okay. Thanks for being with Thank us you. today. Herman Moore of Team 84 and uh, Chris Roebuck of Clicktivated. And we'll be back in just a minute with another segment of the M Squared TechCast. For right now, it's Matt Roush. And Mike Brennan. And you're watching MI Tech News. Lawrence Technological University graduates earn a degree and a higher starting salary. In fact, when it comes to earning potential, the Brookings Institution ranks LTU fifth among U.S. colleges and universities. Be enriched. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. As a Lawrence Technological University graduate, you're not only marketable, you're worth more. Yes, more. According to Payscale.com, when it comes to graduate salaries, LTU is in America's top 100. Be invaluable. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. Regal carriage wave, you know, I thought that was a... <laughs> yes. Oh, we're back. Oh. Hey. <laughs> As Matt cleans off the lens. Hi, yes. it's Matt Bell. I thought it was a little blurry there, but I just thought it was a bad camera. So, uh, and it's yeah, Mike Brennan no. with a clean camera. So, uh, we have a uh, calling in, uh, once again, we have, uh, the, our infectious disease expert, Fred Brown, and he was off last yes, week. Our, our very, our very own Dr. Doom. Yes. yes. Welcome, sir. He was uh, off last week with some family, uh, things he had to deal with, but he's back. So he has lots of things to catch up on a great slideshow. He sent to us earlier, uh, Let's start off with the, well, I'm not sure it was the easy one, but uh, certainly our president has, and 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 appears that just about everybody that came in contact with him about a week ago has now come down with COVID. So I guess it's not a hoax, huh? Well, you know, we've gone, uh, my, my guess is that he, uh, that he and the first lady were probably involved in a super spreader event. Uh, and um, it probably occurred, you see all these pictures outside the Rose Garden, it actually probably occurred inside, but I mean, prior there was lots of, and there's an indoor meeting of, of the people. And apparently, um, you know, from the data we can see, uh, most many of those people weren't tested, uh, even though they were supposed to have been. And uh, that's disappointing because uh, obviously we have the first generation, which uh, kind of takes about 10 days. Then we have a second generation of, of disease that we can expect uh, in about 20 days. And that'll be, of course, to the power, right? Because if you have 10 people who are infected in the first round, they each will infect 2.5 to 3 people. So then you have probably 1,000 people affected. And on the third, wow. on the third time around, it'll be about 10,000 people uh, that could oh. be infected. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, the way it works, sadly. <laughs> yes, I know. At least impacted. You know, you're not necessarily catching the disease, but at least impacted by, by the, the, having the opportunity to catch the disease. And we don't really know what his condition is. I've been watching all the news reports, and it's like it's all over the board. Everybody has something different to say, so I don't know what the real situation is, to tell you the truth. Yeah, only his doctors know that's probably appropriate. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't think... 
and un unless he's incapacitated, which he, he, he doesn't seem to be, uh, I don't think it's really appropriate that we get into all of his personal medical history uh, necessarily. But I, I do, we do have a list of all the drugs he's on, which we'll go through in a little bit, a little, a little bit later. And that's, that is interesting because if you, if you have people who you know who are in the hospital uh, and you want to give them the, well, what, what, some of the better uh, drugs that are out there, I think his list is a pretty good one to start with. At least talk to your doctor about it. There's some additional ones you can add depending on your own situations, but at least it's a, it's, it's a darn good list to start with. I, I think one of the reasons, you know, a lot, one of the complaints that we've been having is that, um, you know, people have not been uh, traced. So, you know, there's no kind of tracking and tracing like uh, we, we should be doing. And that is because, you know, probably up, up to, as I said, you know, every time uh, we're, we're squaring that number, uh, just an awful lot of people can get infected by a single incident and they probably don't want to be known for, you know, potentially spread up to 10,000 people. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't want it to be either. But that's that's the way this virus works. I think if you're if you're involved with a single super spreader event, it can really move fast through a community. Okay, so well, I what, guess I mean, what what I heard is, and, and tell me if this is accurate to to what you've heard, <clears throat> is that Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court had it over the summer, and um, that yeah, I, I heard that this morning, and you know, and and was considered to be recovered. <clears throat> But well, apparently somebody else in the entourage was not. Somebody else was still shedding virus. So. Yeah, there were probably at least three or four people. <clears throat> given that they, even if they had done tests, there probably would have been to it at least three or four people in that group, uh, given our infectivity rate uh, among, you know, high-level uh, executives and uh, and uh, politicians. Uh, there should have been at least three to four people with the infection. She probably actually had antibodies and was, was, was relatively safe. <laughs> I didn't know about. That. I didn't know that she had had, had the disease over o, o, over the summer. Uh, and I'm glad she recovered from it. Uh, it'll be it, it'll it'll be interesting to see, you know how um, we know whether the whether there's a significant portion of the Senate that's affected. Yeah, yeah, that'll to be determined. So let's take a look at those slides. Oh yes, I'd be happy to. Speaking of, of politics, I thought I'd go a little bit local this time. Talk a little bit about Michigan. See how we're doing. One of the things that happened. Um, of course, over uh, you know on, on October second was the Supreme Court ruled um, that um, what Gretchen Whitmore has been doing is unconstitutional. Uh, that she's been you know continued uh, uh, enforcing uh, enforcing um, uh, her executive orders uh, even after April thirtieth, which is as far as the legislature allowed her to go. Uh, she's been kind of continuing to enforce new orders because. Um, you know, she, I think, felt that she needed to based on the data that was presented to her by experts. Uh, and uh, in, in, in full disclosure, I, I am not consulting with the state of Michigan. I, I consult with 17 other states and you know, six uh, countries, uh, uh, but I don't consult the state of Michigan, uh, although I live here. So I'm sort of interested in, <laughs> in what the impact. Well, you know, you know what they say, a prophet is never honored in his own hometown, right? So that's... <laughs> well, she's getting excellent advice. I, I put her response, okay. you know, as far as the health response uh, certainly among the top 10 states in the country. I mean, we, we, we've done a very good job. Part of it is we're in it, we're, we're, we're two peninsulas, and that makes it easier, as Korea points out. Um, but uh, but she, I think overall she's been responding, you know, as well as can be expected. I, I work with a lot of states that aren't responding as well, um, and, uh, you know, I've been sort of jealous of the way Michigan's doing. So uh, I'll, I'll show you so, sort of what I was interested in is if I, you know, so on the first slide, I just said, you know, here are the implications. Basically, she has um, had over 200, about 200 uh, COVID regulations passed under the Emergency Powers Act uh, of 1945. And um, the, by, by my ruling that this action is illegal, about 160 of these regulations that she has passed are have been ruled unconstitutional. I guess that takes up the, the higher court will, will, will execute this back down to the lower courts who will implement, and that takes about 21 days um, from the point of the ruling. That would be October 23rd, 25th kind of time frame. Uh, and at that point, uh, if the court moves forward with that, which they're expected to, of course, following the Supreme Court's ruling, uh, then, then, that, then that would be one uh, unconstitutionality takes effect. But immediately, uh, the AG, the Attorney General, is going to stop enforcing the rules. Not that these rules were that on onerous to begin with. I mean, none of them required jail time. They were all misdemeanors. There were some fines. Most of them are pretty hard to enforce, frankly. I don't think they've been terribly enforced, <laughs> from what I can tell. I do, I do consult the state of Hawaii. And there we had several people getting $10,000 fines for disobeying the rules. 
So that 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 sort of you know that sort of you know, sends your attention when you realize you got you got to have to pay ten thousand bucks. But here we don't do, tend to do that as much, and uh, you know uh, Hawaii is sort of an outlier because uh, they are so concerned about their island getting taken over. In Germany, Switzerland, uh, you know I'm I'm a citizen in Switzerland. Uh, it, it can be fifty thousand dollars if you're caught. Fifty thousand. Oh wow. yeah. Oh yeah. Easy. Easy. If, especially if you do it once, twice, three times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's where all the little bald guys are with the money. So and and and, and, they, and trust me, they, they make sure you pay it. You know, yeah. you, you will have <laughs> you'll have police on your door at that, that evening. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, you know that that just gives you a sense of you know uh, you know people who the countries who are really taking this very seriously and and you know people who are passing laws but don't really tend to enforce them that much, which is more of the, the where, where we are in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the HHS does have, you know, Health and Human Services does have authority in each of the different areas of the country. They've got eight, re- we have, I'm sorry, in the state, we've got eight regions, and the HHS can go ahead and limit crowd size in the event of epidemics. But unfortunately, the HHS, if you think about it, really doesn't have any police force uh, or charging, or they can't really charge anybody to if they, if they break the rules that they've passed. So uh, it's probably not going to be terribly effective. And of course, the governor can continue to work with the House and Senate to enact COVID legislation in the future, and I certainly hope they do. Uh, but, you know, so far they seem to be, have been pretty deadlocked. So, you know, this is my interpretation. I have talked to a couple of lawyers. It's a, the ruling is 107 pages long. I have looked at some of the summaries, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the cheat sheets uh, and, and, and read some articles, but I'm not a lawyer. So I maybe I, I don't think I've misinterpreted this. Um, and I, of course, I don't consult the state. So I'm not involved directly in all the, all the decision making. But uh, this is what I believe is the case and what everyone has reported to be the case. So there are five big areas that we really uh, tried to enforce. The first one was the mask mandate. And uh, you, you can read the, the actual l- law. Um, this is that says that you've got to maintain your six feet of distance. You have to be able to, you can't just tell all your customers you can go ahead and not wear masks. Everyone's allergic to masks. Uh, you have to actually enforce the mask if you've got customers who are uh, in, in public places. Um, and uh, and uh, so that's, that's the rule. And that seems pretty reasonable. You know, it doesn't seem to be out of the ordinary. It's mostly is very aligned with what is recommended. Um, although, you know, I guess people are unhappy about having to wear masks. But if you're, if you're, if you can't maintain distance and you're pretty close to people, uh, you should probably be wearing them. You should definitely be wearing a mask. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Restaurants at 50% capacity. This says that you have to, there are about 20 rules you have to, uh, you have to uh, obey. They reopened in June. Uh, as you know, but they said 50% normal seating uh, and all groups must be separated by six feet or more. And this is standard. Uh, you know, if you can't separate more than six feet, the aerosols are going to come and get you, especially if you're sitting there for 45 minutes waiting for your dinner. So uh, that, this, that, this makes a lot of sense in my, in my estimation as a, as a health professional. Um, and you're supposed to wear masks at all times. So if you go to the bathroom, get up, take a look around, you're supposed to wear a mask. So you're not coughing on people as you walk by them and, and infecting their food, which makes sense. Of course, if an employee comes down with COVID, you also want to close down the restaurant because you don't want people, you know, serving food, um, you know, uh, having COVID. Uh, and of course, you don't want to you know, go to buffets and drink stations and things like that. So those are all, those are all shut down by that order. And so that's now no longer constitutional. Um, gathering limits. Uh, you can, indoor venues, 20 people per thousand square feet, as long as people wear a mask. This is again about the six foot rule. Outdoor venues, 30 people per thousand square feet or 30% seating capacity. That gives you a sense of where they are. And this is pretty standard. Uh, almost all states have this in place as a rec- at least a recommendation, if not a law. Uh, bar closures, they shut down all bars that uh, were where. Um, they had at least 70% of their sales coming from alcohol. But the problem is we don't really track this at all. So we really couldn't tell who's, who's a bar, who's not a bar. Uh, and it wasn't enforced. So uh, we didn't really have an enforcement there. Uh, and you probably don't want to, you know, go to bars who aren't enforcing this and having a lot of, lot to drink because you start to lower your, <laughs> you start to become more, more friendly and then start lowering your guards. And uh, that, that, that adds a lot of challenges, especially if there's a lot of lo- loud music playing and you got a sharp shout over the stereo system. So that, that, that probably made, that also makes a lot of sense to me. Unfortunately, it's now unconstitutional according to the Supreme court and worker office space. So if you go to work uh, before you were protected because uh, Michigan people in work, Michigan who could remote remote work, uh, work remotely are required to keep working remotely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then they also laid out requirements for office space, including distancing and six-foot distancing and signs about personal hygiene around Ryan Eagle, uh, again, to disinfect high-touch services. 
All this to me makes a lot of sense. It's all very much aligned with every other state that I've worked with. Uh, and in fact, every state that I've worked with has made this a law, uh, not not as far as the emergency order, but it just be- has become law. And Michigan has used the emergency order rather than the law. Uh, but um, but this is very typical for most states. And most states, um, you know, I think this is also responsible responsible for most citizens to follow. So what happens now? What happens now? These are unconstitutional. Mask mandate. Restaurant searches and capacity, gathering limits, no more. Bar closures, no more. Working off space, you have to go to work if, you, if, are, if your boss tells you or they can fire you. So what happens? Well, we've done some analysis. And there is um, the IHME, which is out of the University of Washington, is, is, the, is the model that actually the, the White House follows, is the model that President Trump follows. And they actually calculated what will happen if we continue with our current law or we allow easing. And the continuation of the current law is in the brown. And uh, you can see that we're anticipating that. Um, and this is very, I, I have my own model, uh, but this is within 10% of my modeling. So uh, it's, it's very, you know, and it's pretty conservative, frankly. It could be a lot worse than this. It probably won't be better than this. Um, and, uh, and we've got, you can see that basically if you ease, we think we're going to have 37,658 on average within our confidence interval, extra cases. Hmm. And if you think about each, how much each case costs, Avalier is probably the leading consultant in this space. And um, they're saying it costs $23,489 per patient in the United States. You, hmm. Michigan's a little bit more expensive than average. It's probably around $25,000, $26,000. I just use their average to be conservative. Some people are cons- are estimating that these costs are actually closer to $70,000, especially if you're uninsured. But hmm. $23,000 is an average. Yeah, yeah. It costs a lot of money to go to the hospital. You know, <laughs> you, you be there a couple of days, you're sitting there, you know, you know it's, 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 uh, it's expensive. And then, of course, you know that about a third of the uh, uh, of patients have long-haul effects. And uh, what I did is I, I said, well, you know, if you look at the long-haul effects, these are, these are effects that you cannot cure. Permanent scarring of the, of, 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 of the lungs, tachycardia and permanent uh, inflammation of the heart, uh, central nervous problems. Heart and central nervous problems are a lot more expensive. I use the COPD cost per year of five thousand two hundred. If you use heart lungs, it's about it's probably uh, it's probably close to seven times that. So it'll probably cost between twenty five and fifty thousand dollars a year. But let's just use five thousand dollars a year uh, times twelve thousand four hundred twenty seven patients is one point three billion dollars of cost hmm. that this uh, this is going to cost us as a result of of the um, of and that that just in the next two months. And you can see that this, this curve keeps rising, right? I mean, it's, it's not stopping. There's nothing to stop it at this point, right? We don't have mask wearing. We don't have people, we don't have gathering limits. We don't have bar limits. We don't have employer limits. So it, it, and without, without if the, the, the virus, you know, nature is just going to keep going. So this, 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 this graph is, it shows upward trend. That's not going to curve down. The bell curve isn't, isn't automatic. It's something they have to work on. So that's going to keep going. And... Yeah. And then when you throw in the seasonal flu, right? Oh, you throw in the seasonal flu with another 200,000 patients, and all of a sudden you're getting pretty close to overwhelming some of our hospitals. And that causes death to go up. Well, I didn't even throw that in, by the way, uh, Mike, just so you're aware. Um, here's what our death rate looks like. And you can see that basically the Supreme Court ruling that just occurred is going to cost us about three times the deaths. Hmm. Most of these people will be in their 70s and 80s, but there'll be a good number of them who are in their uh, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, a good number, probably, you know, 10, 15, 20%. So you can see that we're really going to pay a lot for this, for health, for our health, uh, unfortunately. Now, it may have been the right thing to do legally. Um, uh, the first, uh, there, were, there were two big, big things that were struck down. The first was the 1976 law that was unanimous. But the other law was interesting. It was, by, it was, it was struck down by Democrats uh, and Republicans. The Democrats voted three uh, to, against uh, voting it down, and the and Republicans voted it uh, for for voting it down. So somehow it looks like politics really got into this decision. And if you're going to be political about your decision, then you should be held accountable for the full costs. And so, you know, next time you see a Supreme Court judge, you know, you ask them why it's going to cost us 250 people a day dying uh, in order to preserve the law that they felt that politically they had to support. It's disappointing. Well, since we're since we're choosing the Supreme Court a month from now, uh, November third, I guess these are relevant questions to ask, right? Absolutely, I think I think I think it's a fair thing to ask, to, to to ask them about and and hold them accountable to. Um, so, when you add all the deaths up, it's going to be about about two thousand extra deaths. Hmm. 
And if you do the math, we, 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 you know, that's about 20.4. That's just the, the standard calculation that, uh, that the government uses for, for the worth, the, the, the wealth, the worth of a person. Uh, then using that number is about, uh, is about $20.4 billion wow. of, of, of cost that this is going to cost us. And that's just in the next two months. We're not talking about a year from now. We're talking about the next two months. <laughs> you know, this is a very, very expensive decision that was made with, you know, um, Without much consideration, I think about health with health consequences. What do you think the likelihood is that even though some of these rules have been struck down, that the business establishments or the patrons may still, you know, do the things they're supposed to do? Is that likely or not? I think it'll be mixed. I think there are a few that really want to open up, you know, and and uh, they've been pushing hard to open up. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a push, you know, to have put the, brought this forward at the Senate and and House of Representative level. Well, yeah, that, and, and Dr. Fauci was just quoted as saying that we're going to have to hunker down this fall and winter. I, I I feel like I've been hunkering since March. You know, I haven't I haven't been in a restaurant or a bar since March. I only go grocery shopping when I need to. It's not like you know. Yeah, I, well, and and if I if I'm in a place with, where people are wearing masks, I'm right out the door. You know? I, oh, I'm out. Smart. I'll tell, uh, I think that's probably smart, uh, just because this thing is so contagious. And and uh, you know, uh, I, I was up north last month, last, last week, and uh, I, I went to these different groups, and they and I went to all these different shops, and I went shopping with my wife. She wanted to buy some new things, and they each of them said that each one of them had been sort of. Um, you know, people come in without their masks, and they really didn't know what to do about it. And they didn't—they want to be not, you know, uh, you know, un, you know, uh, kind of uh, unsupportive uh, of potential customers. So they didn't really say anything. But I think every every business now, uh, you know, had that challenge with the law on their side. Now they have this challenge without the law on their side, and of course they're not allowed to say anything. So I think um, that that's that's uh, disappointing because I think it, you know, you want to encourage your laws to encourage good citizenship. And in this case, we really need to we need to hunker down for probably another year. I hate to say it, but that's about how long it's going to take for a good vaccine to come through. For all <laughs> I think I think Mike's hiding behind his microphone. Now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, so so the question has been how how difficult have the, you know we've got a, all this seems to be a lot of political fervor about these 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 executive orders, and so I wanted to kind of compare. And in fact, the, uh, the, the this is actually in the model. It kind of compares, um, you know, what what we've been doing. And they said in Michigan, we're about 35% compliant with mask use. So if you go around and you figure every chance you get to wear a mask versus how much you really wear a mask, about 35% of the time. And I have to admit, I, I'm probably at that level. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, when I think about all the chances I should have been wearing a mask and didn't I say probably a third of the time I've been doing it right and about two thirds of the time, you know, I'll, and I'll be out there and uh, I, I, I won't wear one of them. I try to do better than that. But, but that's about saying about on average, you know, based on observation, and they, and they do this out of the University of Maryland, Michigan's about 35%. That, that's, per, that's about the same around the country, about 35%. Now, if you were in Taiwan, you'd be a real outlier because in Taiwan, where they really do wear masks effectively, they're at 95%. So I mean they're they're wearing masks to bed. I, I, I don't I'm joking. I, 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 every time you see someone outside, you will almost always see someone wearing a mask, and that's because they actually enforce this pretty carefully. So that's that sort of gives you a sense of where you know how to compare yourself with how really invasive the executive orders have been. And I I don't think they've been that invasive. You know, if you really th- think back on it, compared to how much how many lives they've saved and how much good they've probably done. Um, but you know, for some people, it's been it's been a it's been a challenge, and for some businesses, it's been a challenge. Now, the other big question is about mobility, and this is coming out of the mobility matrix from your phone, and people are tracking how much mobility there is. And you can see that back in April, we were way down; we were minus sixty five percent, sixty eight percent mobility rating, and right now we're at about ten percent. So, mm-hmm. you know, in other words, what you're doing in nineteen nine uh, twenty nineteen uh, compared to what you're doing this year at this time. The, the difference is about 10%. So we really, we're not really that impacted by these executive orders, even though they seem to be getting a lot of attraction uh, and having a lot of political fallout. And in fact, if we were to say, let's not, let's go ahead and, and, uh, and uh, try to get to the same health effect that these, these five mandates create, how much mobility would I have to stop if I stopped wearing masks, doing all these other things that now are being required? And the answer is you'd have to stop moving around 63%. You'd have to be down at where you were in April to get to the same public health effect as this 
sudden Supreme Court mandate says, let's eliminate all these new, let's eliminate all these rules. Uh, if you really want to get down to the same health effect, you've got to stop moving around by 60%. That is a big imposition, in my point, in my view, and allow a lot of people who don't want to, or some people not to wear, to do all these things that I think are important, and to impose then me having to stop moving around 63% in order to maintain the same level of health effectiveness, that to me is a big, a much bigger imposition on my, on me than I was having on you asking you to wear a mask and, and not having gatherings of, uh, of more than 20 people on a thousand square feet. So I think the Supreme Court got this really wrong. If I, if I had to say in terms of impact of the health, impact on the law, and our ability to act and, and be free, I think the Supreme Court got this wrong. I really do. So what's the real cost? Let's take a look. If you add it all up, I only talked about two months, right? Let's just pretend that for the that, that, that upward curve just stops all of a sudden in December. It goes flat. That's not going to really happen, but that's all that's all the numbers I could work with IHME. My my own numbers I've got, but I, I didn't want to I didn't want to affect that. So let's just hold IHME numbers steady at January 1st levels all the way through. That's not going to happen. It's going to go uh, way up and way down. But uh, it, 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 let's just hold it steady. If we do that, then over the course of the year, the GDP impact, just over the next 12 months until we get a vaccine, if we're lucky, will be $2.7 billion. Oh. That's, that's direct out-of-pocket costs. So you can ask the Supreme Court justices, was it worth $2.7 billion to you know, impose this thing for the next 12 months that really impacts our ability to move around that to, to, and to stay healthy? Uh, so the best scenario of the one year, that, that, that's for the GDP impact for the next two months. So we have to multiply that by six for the full year, 16.2 billion bucks. If you close every restaurant in the state, every restaurant, didn't allow them to open at all, that would cost 17.9 billion. You could have paid every restaurant pretty much to stay completely closed <laughs> for the whole year and broken even on this whole deal. And that's a shame. Or certainly every fitness club, every every restaurant, every, you know, you could have shut them down and said, here's your money. Go ahead. Here's your money. Because that's as much as it's going to cost us anyway uh, for the Supreme Court to go through. Wow. And uh, and furthermore, the other problem is that the long haul effects and the uh, and, and uh, the excess deaths are going to be with us for 20 years. Hmm. And if you do that math, that's about three and a half percent of our economy in the state of Michigan every year for the next 20 years, wow. we're at a deficit. So you have to ask them, you know, what, what, is it worth it? Is it really worth it to impose on all of our freedoms, uh, you know, uh, the changing of the law? And then the biggest issue, I think, is the fact that Michigan is going to be unable to respond quickly, just as we're going into the fall season, just as we're going into the flu season, just as COVID is going to get ramp up at speed uh, in, in the cold. So this is exactly the wrong time to have this opinion. It's going to really impact us badly. And we won't be able to uh, uh, control outbreaks across the state. We'll have, you know, little HHS kind of interventions in Grand Rapids and Detroit, and everyone will be moving around the state and infecting each other. And it just comes back to the fact that we've got an exponential growth epidemic, an exponential growth virus, and all we can do is respond linearly, Right. We, it takes us time. It takes us, and and, and the governors want, this is the only one in this position. And I think President Trump knew that when they said the governors have to respond. Here, you guys have to do this. And it's unfortunate that the Supreme Court in Michigan has been the only state in the country to override the government's ability to have executive orders. And I, and, and, and if I understand it right, and that really uh, is going to hurt us as a state. Right now, we're doing better than most states. And in the future, we'll be doing a lot worse than most days. And that'll take about it'll take about in the in the in the November timeframe to start to feel this. But we will definitely feel this. And as far as individual impact, if this happens and the Supreme Court decides in November it won't come out until you know June that the ACA is uncon is also unconstitutional, then if you're not insured, you can expect to pay about seventy three thousand dollars for a year for your hospital. Uh, stay for COVID on average, not the 23,000 that Avalier pointed out to, and that were Medicare and negotiated insurance rates. It'll be $73,000 $73, per person in the uninsured space. And if you've got long haul, 
It'll probably consider, be considered a pre-existing condition, and you can expect to pay, pay about $20,000 a year out of pocket for your COPD problems. I'm afraid I'm going to have to cut you off at that. we got a hard right. stop at three because uh, uh, Dave has another show he has to produce. So. I understand. Uh, let's, uh, uh, what do you want to leave folks with here in the last 30 seconds? This, this is pretty scary. It is. I, I wanted to say the, the good news is we have a better sense of what's going on with what to take. This is what President Trump is taking. And uh, you should you know if you're in the hospital, if you're uh, uh, if you have family members who are in the hospital, talk to your doctors about this course of treatments uh, and uh, see if you can improve the outcomes for your own family. Members. All right. We're going to leave it at that. Maybe we can get your well, take those slides and we'll put them up online so people can read that then. I think it's valuable. I think uh, when you go out, go out and vote this year and hold these people accountable for what you think is right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks very much, Fred Brown. Now, a great show today. Matt, take us out. All right. Well, you've been watching the M Squared TechCast, MITechnews.tv. We'll be back again next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. For right now, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And you've been watching the M Squared TechCast. Take care. Thanks for listening to M Squared TechCast, a live internet radio show offering the latest